welcome to morning prayers in Appleton Chapel. It is my great privilege to introduce our speaker for today, Ravi Shah from Dunster House. Dunster House, we are so excited to have you here and be a part of Senior Talks today. We will begin today's service with a responsive reading from the Black Appleton Psalter book. Please stand as we read the selection number 160, responsively by whole verse. From the unreal, lead me to the real. From the darkness, lead me to the light. From death, lead me to immortality.
Good morning. As fragrance abides in the flower, as a reflection is within the mirror, so doth thy Lord abide within thee. Why search him without? That is a teaching from Guru Nanak, the founder of the Sikh religion. Over winter break last December, I was returning home after a night out with friends. It was early morning, probably around 3 or 4 a.m. I walked into our living room and saw my mother sitting quietly in front of our shrine, praying. This has been part of her morning routine for the past 20 years. She would wake up at 3, get dressed, pray for an hour, prepare some meals for the family, and then leave for work by 6 a.m. She didn't say a word when I came in the door, so I walked up to her and said hello. She didn't reply. I asked her why she was praying. She told me, Ravi, I pray for you. So I said, Mom, I know I'm not perfect, but I don't think my soul's in that much jeopardy. She smiled and replied, I pray that you find happiness and success in your life, and I pray the same for your sister. I stood there and watched her for a couple minutes. I saw the bags under her eyes. I knew she had only gone to bed four hours ago, and I knew this because my father works a night shift, and she chooses to stay up until he's getting ready for work so she can cook him breakfast at 10.30 p.m. I saw her hands, frail and marked from working 12 hours on the assembly line at the factory. I watched her pray. I used to think that my parents' faith was easy, that it was cheap. Hinduism, like most religions, stresses devotion and dedication. I rarely hear the gurus at my temple pontificate on the importance of good works or good actions. To me, it seemed like devotion was a shortcut to salvation. Instead of spending time and effort being a good person, one could simply bow their heads and pray, and God would reach down and save them. My generation is among the most disconnected from organized religion in American history. According to a Pew Research Center poll, only 39% of millennials pray daily, compared to 61% of their parents. Generally, my generation views religion as an outdated, unscientific, problem-causing system that the world would be better without. And sometimes I place myself in this group, but I find myself praying occasionally. I pray when I'm scared. I pray when I'm on a particularly turbulent flight and it lurches and drops. I pray when I really need something. The night before I took my law school entrance exam, I found myself praying. I prayed when I applied to Harvard. I think a lot of people pray this way. We pray when we need something and we've exhausted our opportunities to push the outcome in our favor. But this is really the cheap kind of faith, the easy kind. I pray only for material gain. The foundation of my relationship with God is made up of wanting instead of love or caring or morality. Four years at Harvard have taught me a lot, but one of the toughest lessons I've had to learn is how quickly daily routine and the trivialities of life can, of life can consume you. It's easy to get lost in the next piece set, the next meeting, the next essay, the next thing. How rarely do we take a step back to think about what we're doing and where we're heading? My mother's faith, I've learned, is made up of something more. Her 4 a.m. prayer is an outward expression of her inward reflection. Every morning she takes a step out of the mundaneness of routine and ordinary life and examines the bigger picture. Her devotion is a window to self-reflection. Her faith isn't a plea for salvation and it isn't a plea of wanting. She only prays for the happiness of others. Her morning reflection is what allows her to glide through the ups and downs of modern American life without becoming encumbered by the daily banalities because she knows there is something more at stake. Her self-reflection pushes her to be a genuinely kind and caring person. Her faith is what inspired her and my father to travel 8,000 miles to a country they didn't know, with a language they didn't speak, and a culture they couldn't understand. I know now that her faith is really the difficult one. That every morning when she prays, she's making a conscious decision 
to be more than a person who moves through life from action to action, event to event, sunrise till sundown. She makes a conscious decision to snap out of that cycle and reevaluate the bigger picture and adjust her own behavior accordingly. That reflection, born of devotion, is what reminds us of our goals and our common humanity and allows us to break free from the restricting bonds of expectations and responsibilities. It allows us to realign our behavior and our attitude when we are bogged down by reality. Even if my generation doesn't return to organized religion in mass, that is a lesson we would do well not to be without. Thank you. Let us hold a moment of silence for prayer and reflection. And please join me in saying the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as you are able to sing the hymn, The Lord's My Shepherd, hymn number 
loving and caring acts of devotion instead of busy routines and responsibilities. And the gathered people said, Amen.